if you and your people had lived somewhere for tens of thousands of years, and suddenly a bunch of other people from across the planet came and took it away by force, with violence, murdering your people, and claimed that the country is all theirs now, I reckon it'd be pretty reasonable to call that stolen land. Anyway, this podcast is recorded on the stolen land of the Wurundjeri and Pangarang people. We as a country should probably do something about attempting to address the wrongs our country is built on, rather than pretending it's all sorted and everyone should just move on. We haven't, but we should. Well may we say, God save the Queen, because nothing will save the Governor-General. You know I've searched my heart to prove There's better ways to push and pull Hey, whatever gets you through these days Hello and welcome to Well May We Say, a progressive podcast about Australian politics. This is episode 158 for Saturday 21st January 2023. I'm Jeremy Siapirko and each week I'll be joined by a different guest host to help me discuss what's just been happening to the country, what's likely to happen and hopefully what we can do about it. Tonight I'm joined by returning guest host Tom Ballard. Welcome back Tom. Hello Jeremy. You say every week you'll be joined by a co-host, but you haven't done one of these since November. Yes, sure. It's a thin tissue of lies, and it's been called out immediately. Uh, you know what? I'm not even going to edit that out. I've had months in between my fucking podcast. Sorry, I don't Look, there were periods before I had children where it was a bit challenging sometimes. You had other things you wanted to do. But then if you've got work, then little children, then the constant, the, what follows that, which is collapsing, it, it gets harder to do the podcast. It will, it will improve. And yep. then, you know, well, there, there'll be more times, but um, and you know, my, my two um, oldest kids start school this year, so there'll be some opportunities there for recording potentially during the day, maybe, which weren't previously. But anyway, Tom, uh, for for a week to re- return and and have uh, <laughs> two white two white guys to talk about these particular stories, but there've been two sort of really significant stories that are revealing of what kind of a country we are. This week. Well, it's, it's racist Christmas, everyone. It's January 26th. This is when you expect to see these sort of stories come out. It's a, it's a wonderful time of year. And it gets earlier year after year, I'd say. That's right. So we'd only just got through Christmas and then these things happen. And, and we're, it's, it's a whole month to go for. Anyway, we, these, neither of these are actually about Australia 20, uh, about January 26th. Although, obviously, there was a bit of a, a kerfuffle when the Albo government reversed some of the more racist like overtly racist things that Morrison had done when you're in the bit where they're like, councils can't hold citizenship on any day other than January 26 and we'll take it away from them if they try it. And anyway, they reversed that, like that overt F you. But but we had two other ones this week. So um, the most important one, I suppose, is that thanks to a rather pointed protest, we're now all a bit more aware of what what uh, Woodside are planning on doing in the peninsula at, at the with the Murrajugga petroglyphs, and, and and it's been approved by the federal government. They, they, there is a local the local elders that the government recognises have said it's okay, which seems odd. But basically, a large part of these fifty thousand year old um, petroglyphs, these are and the and the art is literally it's, it's a tourist site like. If you look up for Murrajugga National Park, you'll see what the sort of petroglyphs are like, and a bunch of them are going to get destroyed by Woodside. Anyway. And is this the Woodside Scarborough Project? I don't know. That was a different word that I hadn't looked up. I don't know. Scarborough near Burrup? 
So Barrett is, is the bit of Western Australia that sort of where it goes out to the west and then comes back in again and then sort of pops yep. out that bit. But not the big peninsula bit that you can see when you've zoomed out from Australia. You've got to zoom in a bit to see. It says a man who just literally looked it up on Google Earth and had, was unaware of it until this morning. Anyway, mm. thanks to this protest. So um, some protesters went and spray-painted the Woodside logo over the top of a famous Frederick McCubbin picture from about what, 130, 150 years ago, whatever. When, okay. It's, man, it's down, the man down on his luck one. You've seen it. Like, mm-hmm. you've seen prints of it. Any Everyone's seen prints of this picture. Anyway, they, they spray-painted Woodside over the top of it and pointed out that this was... What what they basically did was the equivalent of the, what the other artists in this story, the, the other other one of these stories this week did, being pointing out how white Australia gets really really uh, passionate about certain things like uh, McCubbin paintings or Anzac Day, um, mm. but really is unable to see how the fact that they don't get equivalently outraged by the destruction of um, or destruction in this case of of, of even older art. That happens to be indigenous, or in the case of the other story, the the impact of other uh, things that ancestors have, have experienced, which we'll get to. I mean, I'm really doing bad at sizzling the second part of the story. Anyway, my <laughs> point is, this story, like everybody, the, 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 if you looked online at all the copy, the stories of this, and at first I think people didn't realise that the painting had not been destroyed. It has a cover on it, like the spray paint didn't actually hit right. the the painting itself and the woman the the, the protest is being charged which shouldn't but there were people saying oh she should go to jail um i bet they didn't call for the jailing of the rio tinto executives that blew up the gorge i did i was very vocal in my calls i mean i think that all fossil fuel executives should be jailed by the nature of their jobs but <laughs> for separate but reasons those ones in particular they're the front of the queue the rio tinto guys yeah <laughs> but but those people would not have we're not calling for woodside like they're not outraged by the destruction of indigenous art of course not. Which is much older. And that was the point of it. Like It's like the, the um, AB original January 26th song. It's like, you know, you, 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 won't, um, you won't read a book about the, the massacres, but you're happy to read up, you know, find a book about, a, about read books about how to make lamingtons or whatever. Oh, you know, you know, <laughs> the point is, we are, as a country, really, we get really fired up about white shit and how important that is. Mm. And the contrast of that with how we treat the destruction of indigenous things... They could not be more, more more plainly done. I just I think it was a brilliant protest. And I know that I know the you know Greens people were a bit like you know we we agree with the message, but maybe not with the the method. And it's like the method was perfect. The Greens said that. Oh, uh, I saw Tim Hollow on Facebook was saying, oh, I'm not. Sure. It was a good protest, but I'm not sure about the you know whether it's counterproductive. And I, I think there were some people who you know the soft middle class Greens where we're like, oh, <laughs> well, I don't. You know, is the tone right? Is the tone? Is, are we alienating people? There are an awful lot of people, more people who are now aware of this issue than were previously. And I feel like the protest was exactly perfect and on point. It, yeah, it was great. Okay, so the, the painting's totally fine and the woman has been charged or no? She has been charged, but I think this, I, I think this would apply even if the painting wasn't fine. Even if they, yes. like, it's not, not like we, we don't know what that painting was or that painting hasn't been extensively studied and will be lost to history. Oh no, we'll forget that that painting existed. But mm. yeah, you know what? Maybe the destruction of the painting would have been warranted if one if the destruction of the art actually had happened. Like if you if you done the destruction of the painting following the Duke and Gorge, that might have been warranted. Like destruction of one thing following to highlight how <laughs> horrific the other was. I, I get maybe maybe you don't want to actually destroy this one when the when you're trying to say please don't destroy the other one. So don't maybe maybe you know hold the painting as a hostage. It can be destroyed properly next time if they have it goes ahead. Yeah, I'm not advocating for vandalism and destruction of property. By the way, 
I'm just saying it wasn't destroyed in this case at all. It was just it was the glass on the front of it, right? Which right. they can change. And look, and if, if she's charged, so she's charged with with vandalism or some, something like that, right? Yeah, so I, I think, probably I think also sometimes in the discourse around this, we forget the fact that these protesters are willing to receive a level of punishment for these things that they're doing, right? Like that's that's also part of it. Being arrested at a protest, um, uh, being charged uh, some amounts of money. It sucks that it's bad, but protesters often go into these actions with their eyes wide open and their commitment to their cause and what they're trying to do you know the raising of the stakes because they know there'll be punishment for these actions they're not trying to run away from police or hide from it is uh, underlines how committed they are to the cause and how serious the issue is and all the media that flows from that all the interviews saying you're outraged by this by us spray painting a logo on an old an old uh, a painting well this is why we're doing it because oh. this fucking evil organization and profit seeking demon company is going to it will happily blow up and destroy you know, art that's thousands of years old. Oh, and they've tried every other process first. And what else can they do? Woodside fucking runs WA, okay? Woodside is in control of that entire state. They're uh, donating money to the Labor Party. Members of the Labor Party leave government to become executives and consultants for Woodside. They sponsor everything. Tanya Plibersek has approved it. It's been approved. Everything, yes. It's all been waved through. And uh, that Scarborough Gas Project, I know there are lots of people trying to get together to do something about it. It is... It is brutal. I'm just reading now that the plant on the Brewer Peninsula will be used to process the offshore gas from the Scarborough offshore project. So it's all you know tied into one. Okay. It's all it's all bad news for everyone involved. And, and, and so two things as you said. So one one is that people will be like, oh, you should do that. You should go. I don't disagree with your message. It's just the method. Yes. The method's not right. But what method? Like they've literally tried go through the channels. They've gone through the channels. Like the, this has gone all the way through and been approved and is going ahead right. unless the public becomes aware of it. Literally calling for public support to uh, oh, public support to the opposition of it, public opposition to this project, making people aware of it is the last step. They've tried everything else. Right. And yes, in terms of the, the commitment of activists, you've got the, the um, young woman who went to, was jailed for the protest, um, for the blocking traffic on the Sydney, on the Sydney Harbour Bridge, was it? Was it? It was, it was in New South Wales somewhere and she got jailed for it. Yes. And she's now been released, I think. But um, there was a, a period of time. And, and all the, you know, the right-wing commenters and, and callers to the talk back are like, oh, I should be jailed forever. These, these people that are blocking traffic, you know, why can't they do it in a way that doesn't inconvenience us? Because you'll ignore them. Yes. Because they, they, everything else gets ignored. It's only you, – you have basically created a system where unless people forcibly stop you mm. or do something that shocks you, you will ignore them and then bad shit will happen. You're removing all the alternatives. And then you're like, well, why can't they consider the alternatives that I'm already perfectly happy ignoring? It's, you can't win with these motherfuckers. It's like, oh, you need to be, you know, oh, you, you care about the environment, do you? Well, do you recycle and are you a vegan and do you not take a, a car anywhere and you don't take a plane? You need to do something as an individual to, about this issue and then as soon as you do that you are a piece of shit and you're scum and you're a hippie with twigs in your hair you know like as soon as you as soon as you get off the grid and you're Greta and you're taking a boat instead of a plane it's not like these crazy commentators take you any more seriously whatsoever they they don't give a shit they'll just do anything they can no. to undermine your credibility because you dare challenge the status quo in our fossil fuel run society because it's not sincere exactly it's it's what and this is the thing, like so those people are very brave but it's it's the bravery combined with the fact that they are actually fighting for an important issue. Like yeah. you could have, you get you, you know obviously the right wing people can do protests that are destructive and, and you know the, the convoy around the Parliament House. What like you know you can use, the right wing are perfectly happy using tactics that are obnoxious and get in the way as well. Mm. It's just that they're using they're using those shock tactics for evil. 
So yeah. it does very much depend on the message. Right? I, anyway, I've forgotten the point. I was, other point I was going to make. Let's move on to Ziggy Ramo. So did you see this story from uh, Northern Perth? The, there, was a, there was a concert and they got very upset with him. I did see this. My our producer for Serious Danger sent it through. I think he was looking for a, a cool song to work into the edit for this week's episode and came across this and then saw this story, yeah. Oh, wait, so, wait, wait. He came to it organically. He was, like, looking for a cool song that was... Because... Okay, I, I had never heard April 25th until this story happened. Mm. And, like, AB Originals January 26th, there's now a very, a very punchy... Um, Pushback one uh, from from Zirama, who's an indigenous rapper, who I think you were aware of previously because they wouldn't let him do this song on at the end of Q and A. Uh, yes, and he's also very hot, so oh, I like but... to keep across of uh, talented, radical artists, particularly the ones who are banging. Hang on, were you hosting Q and A when that happened? No, no, no. This is Hamish McDonald era, and yes, he was going to perform April twenty fifth, and then they said that he wasn't allowed to do that. That then they had a conversation on the show about why they didn't let that decision go through, in which Hamish McDonald was basically trying to defend the decision and sort of saying, "Well, you do say some things here that you know could be offensive to some fucking people." Fuck You've taken you, out of context. No, if you just heard in context, the 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 song is clearly. If people don't know, yeah, there's lines in there about yeah, fuck that. Uh, he says trying, fuck the Anzacs, fuck the Anzacs. But but he, but but he but following saying that people's attitude is fuck the blacks. Like he's drawing the parallel of being like, you're yes. like, hey, this wasn't me. Don't blame me for what my ancestors did. But also, I love the Anzacs. I want I want all the credit for the Anzacs. And he points out you weren't there at Gallipoli either. What she got to be sorry for? You wasn't here before. No savage blacks from the seashores. It's free people. You weren't here when they were not equal. What she got to be proud for? You wasn't on the shores of Gallipoli. Neither you or me gave out life. So how can you take solace in a sacrifice? Something doesn't add up. Something's not sounding right. Lest we forget. Unless they were black. Then suddenly we start erasing all the facts. That is the point that needs to have been made over like every time. It's weird how white people are like, oh, you can't blame me for what my ancestors did, but I would like some credit for what my ancestors did. Yes, and they, they cancelled off. And then, yeah, the, actually in the ABC article, I'm saying they have embedded the video of him going Q&A and, and explaining that it's, that it's censorship from the ABC. It's just, just ridiculous. Like, oh, you're not allowed to say the thing. So having one is not culture diversity. Mm. And then on top of that, is it cultural diversity or is it performative cultural diversity? Because, for example, on, on this show today, the song that I'm going to perform is called Stand For Something. The song I initially was going to perform uh, was called April 25th. Um, and this is a song that I was not allowed to perform. Like, I, I was basically censored in, in the fact that the ABC said that it was not appropriate. Um, so is it performative? Because me sitting on this panel ticks off a box for the ABC that is cultural diversity. But if I'm not able to express my perspective, is it performative or is it actual cultural diversity? Because as yeah. Barnaby said, it's important that we have freedom of speech and freedom of expression. So if we have seats at the table, but then we are not able to express our lived experience, are we actually having cultural diversity or is it performative? And then in this instance, he's booked to perform at a uh, council event. Um, he sent through lyrics of the song ahead of time. It was Auslan interpreted. He was booked. You know, all his stuff is out there. And presumably people booking these artists listen to two, three songs that are going to be performed by the people you're booking. And then after the fact, because some people got offended, this... 
this council apologises for yeah. booking him at all. It's it's so cowardly. And it will and, have been I, different people. It will have been some of the people who booked him in the council will have known exactly what he was going to do and been right. on board with it. Okay. And then the people at the top of council would right. not have been aware of it. They would have gone, oh, no, okay, you know, it's good to have an Indigenous trap. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then they would have had no idea what, what the thing was. Yeah, good to have a black guy. Just don't say anything. You know, don't, don't say anything yeah. that might be critical of this country or your experience. Don't express yourself as an artist. Like, please just say the correct words within a very specific box that makes us feel okay. And anything you say can't upset anybody here at this event. That's just completely unreasonable. I just think they've got their heads thrown up up their own asses that they can't imagine that people would be angry, uh, as in Indigenous people might have angry things to say right. that might upset some white right-wing snowflakes who might be like, what? I don't need to hear about my very hardcore built-in uh, but unacknowledged hypocrisy on these sorts of things. I didn't want to hear that. No, I had my family there. <laughs> I don't want my family realising that our, our uh, worship of Anzac Day but uh, simultaneously... Uh, reasonably contemptuous attitude toward Indigenous people and uh, our defence of our, our, our historical actions as a country being, I, I didn't do it. I didn't need to have that, the, the inconsistency between those positions pointed out to me when I was trying to have a barbecue with my family. In fact, I'd like them to never be pointed out to me. That made me feel good. You're ruining racist Christmas. The city- you caught me by surprise. I thought that a, a picnic run by the council, surrounded by largely white people, was a safe place where nobody would point out my, my, my hypocrisy on subjects of indigenous people. And you did it. The city strives to offer... This is the fucking statement. The city strives to offer diverse cultural performances, and we want to make sure that we, want to, that we continue to present respectful acts that our community will appreciate and enjoy. And Ziggy, uh, I think you said it was about Nauna, said he, was, he wasn't contacted by them before they apologised. He said celebrating cultural nah. diversity involved the exploration of different points of view. If you want me to go up there and look black but not be black, how does that work? Me looking and being culturally diverse comes with a completely different experience than the majority of your community. Damn right, Ziggy. <laughs> Fuck these people. Without wanting to be the um, white posing uh, Rastafarians in uh, 10 Things I Hate About You going, That's right, Mom! Then the going, Shut up! Don't let me start on YouTube. So, without wanting to be those guys, <laughs> yeah, well, well, well said. <laughs> I'm willing to bet that it's different parts of the council. Like, there will be the, the people at the top who are like, who weren't aware. They were just broadly aware that it was happening, but weren't aware of the detail. Them being like ass covering because, you know, they're, they're, their worst rate pay, they're, they're grumpiest. They will have got some pushback from, from you know, reactionary dickheads who they do want to keep happy. Jesus Christ. Then And these are all the same anti-woke free speech people and you can't oh. say anything anymore and, you know, wokeness is ruining comedy people. But, of, of course, this is, you know, I'm trying to write some stand up at this moment. I'm like, I'm going for left-wing Ed's Lord. That's my new brand. Okay, so you I'm triggering, triggering the right... And offending them all by saying left-wing ideas. <laughs> I, I cannot imagine. Like Tom, you've been you've been uh, booked at, uh, to do gigs around the you know around the country before. I can't imagine you doing a gig and going to a place which uh, wasn't anticipating perhaps some edge to your comedy that might piss off some people in the crowd who might then go and you know try to cost you afterwards or something. I can't imagine that ever happening. <laughs> no, no, I think everyone loves my comedy and I make everyone feel good and everyone has a great time. Book, book to see Tom Ballard today. <laughs> Coming back to Wang again, Tom, for a while. <laughs> I'll be there. Oh, yes. Oh, yes, that's right. Yes. Wagga wagga. Uh, Jeremy came to see You've... me live and, um, and everyone loved it. Not a single 
old boomer couple <laughs> came up to violently threaten me in any way. It was Wang, not, not Wagga, but have you been to Wagga? Have you done a... Oh, Wagga. Uh, Wang, sorry. God, Wagga would have been even where. They're all the same. Sorry, that's racist. <laughs> racist gets people who live in towns that start with W. <laughs> all places that start with W the same. Anyway, so, uh, look, I, I, I think we're, uh, we're, we're on board with, with those protests. The, the other thing I wanted to touch base with this week, um, and I don't know, because we haven't done the podcast for a while, actually... You haven't done when have you recorded a podcast since Pell, Peritet, Mullen, and Ardern? Not since Ardern. Uh, no, well, we recorded uh, this time recording this. We've recorded the episode of Serious Danger, which will come out on Sunday, um, in which we we went deep on Mullen and really got into the nitty gritty. It's a it's a tough time. We've lost the Nazi Pope. We've lost George Pell. We've lost Jim Mullen. It's getting crowded down there. I tell you what. God, I forgot about Nazi Pope. Oh my goodness. Never forget Nazi Pope. The, the bit that got me about the Pell stuff was that it, it turns out that if you commit enough horrific crimes, if you go so far that uh, eventually it comes down to um, such a serious crime that the bar for the, the punishment would be extremely high and the bar is very high to, to prove it. And if you can get a really shonky high court to, to throw, throw it out without, having, you know, without ever actually seeing any of the evidence, they can throw it out on dodgy grounds. And then you can be like, I was acquitted of the absolute worst thing that was accused that I was accused of. <laughs> yes. And then we can just like call me the innocent. <laughs> I'm an innocent guy who was persecuted. Therefore, I'm the best. The fact that <laughs> I very clearly set up the thing to avoid paying compensation to the victims of other pedophile priests that the church moved around and exposed to children. Mm. The fact that I specifically came up with the, you know, very classic uh I, I think I think when we look at what is a moral position to take? The my extremely wealthy organisation doesn't own any assets, so you can't sue us because we've squirreled them all away and set them up in trusts and things. We don't own anything, even though you know clearly we have vast land holdings and have a lot of money. But we don't own any of it, so you can't touch it when we do the wrong thing. And for you. Yep. Nothing says morality like hiding your assets so that the victims of your abuse can't catch you, can't get any compensation. I mean, that's what morality is all about. Don't you reckon that's absolute piece of shit? I've, I've been again writing some sad up about dear Georgie too, and some you know all the I liked all the quotes circulating, so we got to reflect on the incredible contribution to intellectual life that um, that George Pell gave us. He told us that homosexuality was a, a worse health hazard than smoking, uh, which is true, and it's just as hard to quit. I'll tell you that much. Uh, he said that uh, abortion is a greater moral crime than priests abusing. Uh, little kids. He said that at World Youth Day. Yep. Um, which seems, you know, very convenient for uh, for someone who was protecting pedophiles at the time, I suppose. Um, and I didn't know this actually. I'm researching this other show about the referendum. Did you know George Pell was uh, for the Republic in 1999? He backed a yes vote. No, I didn't know that. Um, one. Because obviously he uh, hated the word no. He was also. <laughs> Does it does it work without the without the fist pump for the, for the punch? I think no, I think that's, still a, that's a crucial part of the bit. Oh. I refuse to cut it. All right, no, no, no. But like I retweeted this cheat media tweeted the two front pages right. So George Pell dies front page of the Australian God's strong man. Okay, glowing ah. tribute, lovely little photo there. Jacinda Ardern <laughs> retires empty end for saint of left with a. Horrible photo of her and some fucking Greg Sheridan bullshit with a headline: "Queen of Woke leaves chaos in her wake." Now, I'm a beautiful contrast between the the way that the Murdoch media, in particular, venerates pieces of shit and will mercilessly mock any left wing woman in power. 
Now, I haven't quite finished with... I, I've still got things I want to say about Pell, but but yes. Let, uh, the one thing I will say about that before we get come, come our way back round to Ardern is I actually felt really bad for Pell um, at that point because <laughs> you could see when the Murdoch media really got stuck into Ardern and how much they hated her guts and every nasty thing they said about her really showed what an awesome leader she'd been. And I felt really bad for Pell because he can see how the world's worst pieces of shit in the Murdoch media are responding to a person who's decent. And then he must have, mm. from the, the roasty place that he is right now, um, have been looking up and going, but they praised me. Oh, my God, I'm a fucking monster. Every Greg Sheridan said, oh, that guy was... Oh, shit. Oh, shit. No. Oh, the bad one. Yeah. The Australian is the official newspaper of hell, and I believe they play Sky <laughs> News on the TVs in all the wall, the, on all the walls in in hell. So yeah, that's good to know. Oh, I'm sure that there's free copies of the Herald Sun as you sort of as you plummet totally. down to the fiery lava pits. Did you see people were trying to put like ribbons on the fence outside St Mary's Cathedral, and yes. then motherfuckers were coming out and taking them? down? No, I didn't see the last you part. Absolute fucking cowards! They pieces of shit! How dare you! How dare you spit in the faces! of survivors and victims of institutional abuse at the hands of your fucking institution while still preaching love and Jesus and morality. What a bunch of arseholes. Hang on, hang on. You're being more critical of them because of the accumulation of ongoing evil that they are committed to. I see consistency. Why don't they get any points for consistency? <laughs> you know, they do what they say, it says on the tin, I guess, yeah. The bit that the, the other bit about Pell that got me is like, say he hadn't done any of the, um, you know, being friends with pedophile priests and going with them to court or covering up for them, moving them around or hiding assets from um, victims and generally putting... I, I, I really love that Tim Minchin was trending when Pell died too. That was like... Because I love that song. That that song is... I, I, by the way, still have gone off my point and I'm going to go back to my point about about the, the shit that Pell was doing. Let me Remind me, the shit Pell was doing early in his career that, that's not about pedophiles, just the nasty political shit he was doing. That's what I want to get back to. Um, but mm-hmm. before I do that, the, Tim, one of the things I really appreciate about him is how he can build an argument, and that song is a, the, the perfect example of it, other than Thank You God, which is also a perfect one. But that, that, that Cardinal Pell song, where he goes and he's just like, nah, you know, things must be pretty hard for you. But then the bit where he turns and he's like, when the survivors, despite their shame and their fears, stood up to tell their story, you spent year after year working hard to protect the church's assets. I mean, with all due respect, dude, you're scum. That twist. Yes. And then from then on, it's just like, <laughs> yeah, that that is perfect. But even before that shit, Pell, like we, you and I, I'm sh- I think you were around, you would have been around at the time. Like before any of the, the, the pedophile priest stuff was happening, we're aware of Pell as this horrific reactionary homophobic asshole who would stop gay people getting communion who would fight against women priests, who was, like, every little bit of harm he could do, separate to the abusing children shit, like, literally his mm. contribution to the country was, and that's probably why the arseholes in the Oz are praising him, and they're like, the left just hated him because of how, how of his political views. Yes, because he did a lot of harm with those political views. <laughs> they were horrific. A lot of people were harmed with those views. He used his power yes. and position to cause harm to members of his own congregation. He was evil even before... The church decided, hey, let's get this evil asshole in charge of how evil we can be to victims of abuse. Like, yeah. and, and none of that even got mentioned. Like, there's so little in any of the coverage of his death, like how this was an arch anti-gay dickhead who fought really hard against LGBTI people, um, women's health, women priests throughout his, his career. And that just kind of got fudged through. 
Like, just uh, he's done so much evil shit since then that everybody sort of forgot about it. It's it's again the wonders of, of religion. It gets people this get out of jail free card on on moral questions. So <laughs> so he's not he, yeah he's not a bigot. He's someone who was just a fierce defender of the faith and was just listening to the faith and prosecuted the faith and the faith filled his heart and he just you know believed so strongly in the Catholic vision of justice that uh, you know that justifies all the horrible shit he did. He doesn't need to think or question anything or investigate things, or challenge himself, or listen to other people. There's nothing that you can say to a fucking cardinal that will get them to question core tenets, as they see, core tenets of their religious faith and dogma. They, that's what they believe, and they're sticking with it, baby. I have to say, if I were, if I were a not arsehole Christian, I would, be, I, would, I would object to defending the faith and uh, attacking LGBTI people being defined as the same thing. Because I, I would feel like... You know, that may have some problems down the track, or it may, may have problems right now uh, when you're anywhere other than uh, a, a town filled with assholes who hate gay people. Anywhere else, you're going to be like, oh, yeah, that's right. I am, as a Christian, being associated with uh, the nasty shit that uh, comes against under you guys. I'm, I'd better, that's, maybe that's why Christians feel like they're under attack, because they have to constantly be in social situations or community situations where their association with their religion has already been tainted by the other adherence to their religion deliberately equating that with being an absolute asshole. <laughs> I mean, I think it's very funny seeing... I mean, the current Pope is still has a lot of cook shit and he's still mourning the loss of hell and does all that stuff. Like, you know, f- fuck, fuck the Pope as an institution and, and generally the head of the Catholic Church is not going to be the coolest dude in the world. No. But certainly this... Uh, Benedict is way more progressive than all the Popes that came before him. And watching conservative Catholics lose their fucking minds about that is, is very fun to watch. Because he's infallible, right? He's God's choice. Yes. And yet here he is saying that we should be nice and that climate change is a problem and trickle-down economics doesn't exist. What the fuck? I saw a, um, a thing. Uh, there was one of those internet things that pops up on, on your Facebook of like times that people have, have done really crappy c- corrections and it's fallen apart. And one of them was, um, what's, his, what's the real name? The guy is at Thomas Violence on Twitter um, from Punta Vista. Um, I forgot uh, his real ben. name. Ben, yeah. Mm-hmm. So Ben, the, you know, the classic Ben tweet where he like talked about how a 19-year-old at a bar had wanted to have, return, had decided they'd had enough and tried to return their vodka and he'd been like, I guess I should. And somebody had gone and said, isn't the drinking age in all US states 21? And he replies with, yes, but I'm one of the dozens of people worldwide that doesn't live in America. <laughs> classic. There was another one there where the Pope had been like, we need to be kind to poor people. And somebody was like, Jesus said, we'll always have the poor with us. Like they were, they were Catholic explaining to the Pope. And people are coming back in and going like, uh, no, no, there's a, there's a bit in Deuteronomy where it's like, you know, you're supposed to be a kind to the poor or something. And people were like, but before that, there's a bunch of right wingers who were like, you know what? I, I, this is why, this sort of thing is why I left the Catholic church. The stuff about being kind to the poor. <laughs> That's why I left the Catholic church. <laughs> Did you say that, that even Peritet and uh, what it, what, I think the Greens have taken the right pitch on Peritet, um, and Labor's doing the same thing of being like, you know what, the the, the, the you know dickish thing he did at, at his twenty first birthday, and it is dickish, like dressing up as a Nazi. To do that, you would have to have your head way up your own ass to think that was a an acceptable thing to do. But it was a different time. It was two thousand and three. <laughs> we didn't know the Nazis were bad. Also, how the fuck was his twenty first, two thousand and three? Anyway. <laughs> But I'm more concerned about the evil shit that Dominic Perrottet has done since he was 21 in his public life in politics in the Liberal Party. Like, I feel like sure. he's done a lot more damage there. Yeah, no, look, to be very clear, I, yes, I think both Labour and Greens are taking the right uh, political angle there. And more broadly, I would love everyone to focus more on the actual political agenda of people rather than this 
this this bullshit culture war nonsense on the fringes of things. Having said that, it's still extremely funny <laughs> that Dominic Perrottet dressed up as a Nazi in his 21st and all comedians, cultural commentators can absolutely have a field day with that as, as we all should. Um, it's also very funny imagining Gladys Berejiklian being fucking furious at all this, saying she's being replaced by Nazi boy just for doing, you know, a bunch of corruption. Um, it's almost so, like everyone she's you know, surrounded it's by. It's funny. She's, I want to reiterate that. So she had she had Nazi boy. She had her her boyfriend who likes to run over evidence in his tractor accidentally. <laughs> <laughs> um, he's th- th- that's Wagger. See, don't mix don't miss Wanger up with Wagger. Thank you very much. Wagger is Daryl gotcha. Maguire. Don't gotcha, get, gotcha. the W and the A does not mean the same. And don't mix this up with Western Australia either. <laughs> They're different as well. <laughs> not hey, well, I'm not defending. Oh no, hang on. Wangaratta is Helen Haynes. So you know. We're also a shitty state member, so ignore that. But Helen Haynes federally, so it's all right. Um, yeah, so also Perichet, isn't Perichet a bit weird where he comes in and his background suggested he's going to be the most right-wing liberal that you can possibly imagine. But then he's working like with Daniel Andrews to a point which is pissing off his own party and does not seem to have been as... I mean, he's obviously an LNP person and even the Labour Party in New South Wales is way off to the right and you know they're all cursed. But it's been weird that Perrottet has not been quite at the cartoonish extreme no. that we thought he was. Oh, do uh, yes, no. The Liberal Party again. If the Victorian Liberal Party was more like the New South Wales Liberal Party, it would be doing well much better, of course. But um, on fucking stamp duty in this upcoming election, the Liberals are to the left of the Labor Party, right? They want to abolish stamp duty, introduce land taxes. A very like a, a very basic milk toast progressive yeah. call that's been around for a very long time. Labor are trying to turn it into some death taxes bullshit. They're like, oh, they want to impose a forever tax on your house because they're oh. morons. They're just picking a fight, right? This is classic Christina Keneally. Let's try and outflank the liberals on the right on on refuge on refugees and be like, what about if we were nasty to the ones who came on planes too? <laughs> I guess so, yeah. But yeah, no, Perite, I think, you know, has been politically smart avoiding all the cultural shit that you would associate with a very committed Catholic with, you know, yeah. 67 kids or whatever the hell he's got. Um, but the old the old Nazi really, uh, really got through. It's also very funny to me that there are no photos, okay? So we were told there was a photo. Perite says, I, I don't believe a photo exists, which to me is even funnier that no one bothered to take a fucking photo at your 21st birthday in 2003 <laughs> when you've got digital cameras kicking around. It's very There bizarre. is no photograph. Anyone who has a photograph in my family, destroy it now. <laughs> Too sad for Perite. Like, he can't have any photos of his 21st anymore because they're toxic. I know. Anyway, there are photographs of him as a Nazi, and they're in the TV sitcom Allo Allo. Have you seen... <laughs> Literally, one of the Nazis is dead ringer for Perotet. Okay, you've seen. Am I? I'm not. I'm not wrong here, am I? You've seen it. Do, I, do, I, need, do I need? Do I need to show you a picture of? of hang on, hang on. Or is that the Colonel Clink one? No, that's that's Hogan's Heroes or something. That guy. Oh yeah, there he is. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, um, look. Come on, it's seven minute Perotet in a hat. What was the premise of Allo Allo? Um, French cafe during the Second World War. And they have to kind of keep in, in occupied France, and they are sort of working with the resistance, but they've got the Nazis. They're trying to hide them from the Nazis and things. Oh my god! You know, comedy. Yeah, <laughs> it was great. a funny time. They're constantly trying to say there's British airmen who keep, who keep like being captured, and they've got to sort of smuggle them home. And there's a French resistance woman who's constantly threatening to shoot the um, Rene um, because he's in case he's a collaborator. 
Anyway. <laughs> I mean, it's been a long time since I've seen Hololo, but I recall that, like, he, you know, it's it's classic straight comedy because he hates his wife and wants, and, and he's having, constantly having an affair with his waitress underneath her nose. Because, you know, the straights are okay. Anyway, we're, it's, it's, what is, what is the comedy thing of, like, ah, oh, we all hate our wives. Don't we, right, guys? Don't we? Well, women, women be shopping. You know this. Oh. Anyway, so that's the Nazi Pope, Pell Peritate. Jim Mullen, well, I suppose, so the, the short version for this, and I guess for the for the rest of the deets, listen to Serious Danger out this Sunday. <laughs> Jim Mullen, evil liberal senator, uh, I, I, well, do you want to give a, a pricey of, of the hot, so he died this week, and now they're looking at replacing you with Tony Abbott! Amazing. I forgot about that. Really good. Yeah, Jacinda Ardern really re- good. retires at 42, top of the game. Tony Abbott kicked out by his party, kicked out by his electorate, uh, desperate to crawl back into parliament somehow. It's just, it, that, that's the dignity of men in politics. Anyway, sorry, you were going to say, Jim Mullen, dead. Oh, uh, yeah, real bad, real bad, no good whatsoever. Not found to be a war criminal in any kind of court or what have you, but oversaw the bombing of Fallujah, had the nickname of the Butcher of Fallujah, uh, which people can read about. It It was horrific. It uh, You had tens of thousands of civilians in the city of Fallujah. It was being bombed to try and quash resistance fighters who were resisting against the illegal invasion and occupation of their country by evil US forces. Um, bomb, 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 bomb. Bit of white phosphorus thrown in there, which burns the flesh, the use of which is a war crime against civilians. Bombing a hospital, snipers uh, shooting ambulance workers, which again is a crime under the Geneva Convention. Uh, really, really bad. It was declared a weapons-free zone, which I learnt in researching for that episode, means you can shoot anyone. Weapons-free sounds like there would be no weapons there. But no, it means that people with weapons are free to shoot whoever the fuck they want for any suspicion whatsoever. It's, it's horrific. And more broadly, bigger picture, the entire Iraq war was a war crime. And the fact that Jim Mullen was a high-ranking official in it and defended it to the day he died. He wrote an incredible opinion piece in 2009 saying... Hey, think about all the people that would have died if we hadn't invaded. Uh, he think it was a great idea. It wasn't based on a lie. He loved it, and his solution to every problem facing Australia and the world was more money for defence, more troops, war, 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 war. China's coming to kill us all. Uh, he was a piece of shit. Why did we have white phosphorus in the first place for him to use? I think you, you can technically, out of the rules of war, use white phosphorus on the enemy. But can the you? use on civilians is against a Geneva connection. Why do we have white phosphorus to use on anyone? That's horrific. <laughs> also, it was that sweet time. Remember when um, anyone in Iraq who was a male aged between 15 and 55 was just automatically an enemy combatant? So, you know, you're not killing civilians. You're just killing a dude uh, who's in the right age bracket and has a dick and balls and is therefore a terrorist who wants to. Isn't that still the case in Afghanistan? Are they I'm literally? Sure it is. I'm pretty sure that's the the, the classic. Oh, well, we can. Yeah. Oh, you're a male between these ages, therefore we can bomb you from a drone. I mean, I know they moved pulled out of Afghanistan, but I'm I'm not sure that they ever rescinded that. We can still drone strike anyone we feel like. I'm sure. Yes, I'm sure that's uh, that's a general vibe wherever uh, the US is droning and bombing. Um, Jim Mullen, of course, also overseeing Operation Sovereign Borders is sort of credited as being the architect of that policy, which he uh-huh. thought was a wonderful success. Something that every Australian should be immensely proud of, I believe is the quote from Jim Mullen. 
Uh, and okay. also, hang on, hang on. Time did his political. Hang on, hang on. Why are you saying that we shouldn't be proud of a policy of dragging refugees out to sea, trying to prevent refugees from seeking refuge from persecution, uh, and trying to bully them into staying in danger so they can die quietly out of our out of our eyesight? Are you saying to me that we, as human beings in Australia, should treat other human beings who are seeking refuge with compassion and humanity, rather than monstrously trying to draw up, the, you know, pull up the drawbridge and uh, chuck them out to sea, uh, bully them into staying in danger and dying? Are you saying that that's not something to be proud of, Tom? Tom, I mean, our country is built on this. That's what I believe in. You know, I just I'm a little soy boy, and those are my thoughts and feelings. Oh. Sorry, Jimmy. Oh. Sorry, Molin. Oh, so see, people like you are in charge, we'd just treat refugees with humanity and not be monsters. We wouldn't be monsters anymore. Goodness gracious. I know. Sorry, you were saying I before know, I interrupted you, would... to express, I mean, I, I don't think anybody in this podcast, listening to this podcast, uh, would be overly sympathetic with uh, the plight of other human beings. That's certainly not what we're all about. <laughs> That's not the, well, may we say, vibe. No. Uh, and more recently in his political career, Jim Mullen, um, was hit the headlines in 2018 when he shared two videos from Britain First, the far-right white Jesus. supremacist organisation. One was called Muslim Thugs Beat Woman in Holland, which was completely debunked. He never apologised or thought it was bad that he shared those videos. He was just provoking discussion and he was anti-violence. I'm he just asking racist. questions. I'm just, just asking, asking questions. questions. Just putting it out there. You know, he was, yeah, he was awful. He was an absolute piece of shit. Now, and the discussion we have on Serious Danger was about, you know, what what does the left do when something like this happens? Obviously, this guy dies from cancer at 72. It's sad for his friends and family, but that has nothing to do with us. That's not, you know, it's not important to, for that to enter the public debate or political discourse. Uh, Larissa Waters, the Greens leader, tweeted her condolences and sort of said, despite our philosophical differences, I respect his sense of service. Which she then deleted. Good, good. Delete it. Don't the fuck. Don't praise these assholes. No, deleting is good. Fudge. Yes. No. Don't post at all. But I thought it was so interesting because the coverage was wall to wall glorification. This hagiography of this guy, you know, Australian hero, patriot, fierce defender of his country. Albanese saying he's great, an honourable man, a man of principle. Yada yada yada. Sucking this guy's dick now that he's dead, right? And it was it was so um, ubiquitous that I actually think that there is some value in left-wing voices in that moment coming through and saying, hang on, let's reckon with this guy's full record. Let's actually talk about what this is. You know, it's, so it's not just like randoms on Twitter saying he was a war criminal. You should have, you know, we should, as, the, as the left, as the organized left, we should be able to point out his horrible record, the things that he's did, because that's the actual full picture. 100%. Like, his supporters aren't doing it in, an, in a vacuum. Like, a... I am I am not on the if he's that public figure. Yeah. If if there is any hagiography at all happening, mm. which there almost always is, these are political figures, their side their side is is using this opportunity to launder their reputation and then in yes. five years' time can refer back to, oh no, this is a great guy that we've all agreed was a decent person. Because yes. th- then they're just like, No, no, only our side gets to talk now. Right. Fuck off. That is harmful. Yeah. And you know, you're I could not agree or with you more. You're allowed to talk, but you better say good things. You can't say a single critical thing about this motherfucker. That's even yeah. worse. That's even worse because then th- that's right. The, the, the thing, the thing where the people, the opponents, have to feel like they should say something positive at this time. That's again used to launder that dickhead's reputation. Like yes. even his enemies had to concede. Don't give them that. Yes. They, they're not using it yeah. for. Well, we more, yeah, we might have disagreed, but in the end, we all came in things the right of a good faith. No, no. He was a patriot. 
No. No philosophical differences. No, this guy, this guy was overseeing war crimes and backed in yeah. an illegal invasion of another country that resulted in, on some estimates, up to a million fucking deaths. Jesus Christ. And, and, and weirdly enough, I don't think Jim Mullen ever felt bad about saying horrible Ooh. shit about the people he killed in Iraq. No. I don't think he ever felt bad about, like, demonising them. Oh, actually, you know what? I shouldn't say anything about the people that I killed because they're dead <laughs> and it's not, not respectful to their memory. Bullshit. He would demonise them to justify what he was doing. Totally. It, and hated his political enemies, as, as he should. Was regularly saying, you know, the Greens will are dangerous and they're idiots and, and fools and evil. And, you know, it was just as much a... Hang on, did, did he say that the Greens were a serious <laughs> danger? Pretty much. He was so along the same lines. But you're totally right about laundering the reputation and reinforcing current positions. I mean, Tony Abbott, I believe, in the stories around him replacing him, saying the best tribute to Jim Molan's memory is to <laughs> pursue his fear of China, right? Like to Jim Mullen correctly identified China as the worst possible threat. And so we all in, in honor, in tribute to the late Jim, shout outs to a real one. We should prepare for war with China as soon as humanly possible. Yeah. And you know what? We have a duty to smother the you can't talk ill of the dead line generally. Like not just be like, hey, it's okay in this case. No, no, no. That that is exactly the same as the tone policing thing of of no you know got to say nice things you got to operate within the system when you when you're fighting against uh, injustices or whatever no you got to it's all the people who are in charge of the system right telling you how you can't actually fight them yeah you have to let them do what they want and anything you do is uncouth and rude and wrong and the manner is wrong and therefore you should be just you know it's a it's a ruse. Yeah. It's a scheme, and we should call it out for the bullshit that it is. Come, sing at our council event, but don't sing any of your songs that are rude and naughty. Yeah. Yeah. It's one of the things that you gradually realise, like, I grew up with a lot of BBC English comedy and con- you know, drama, all that, that content um, by the ABC at the time. Like, and, and so much of that, that, that comedy of the era is all about manners and awkward social situations. Like, it's the stereotypical English... You know, that's what they, one of the types of humour, I'm not going to say it's the only type of humour from that from that uh, island, but mm. English as opposed to UK, there is a huge part of the English humour that is all about manners and, and uh, awkward, uh, awkward interactions between people with different classes. It's not neutral. It's there to reinforce this shit. Right. It's teaching you. It's teaching you what these social mores are, and these social mores are not established in a vacuum. They're established to get. Every, oh my god, I'm getting more and more lefty as I get older. <laughs> anyway, I can't even. I can't even consume like what I'd previously thought of as neutral English comedy anymore without it being like, hang on, this is just reinforcing the power structures. <laughs> Shit. <laughs> god damn you. Put your elbows on the table. Yeah, it's fine. Yeah, but no, that's isn't that it? Like the and and. <laughs> talking of another person who dressed up famously dressed up as a Nazi. I don't have huge sympathy for Harry Windsor, who's clearly a grown up as you, it would be impossible for him not to, I guess, with his head completely up his ass. And the extent to which he is at this point in his life, apparently grasping some of the limitations of, of that, uh, of the system, which he had been taught was, you know, he's seeing some of the flaws mm. at this point, not all of them. He's not saying burn the monarchy down. He's just saying, could the monarchy be a bit nicer to me and let me back? Yeah. But he's not noticing that there's some flaws with it. It's kind of like the Greens. It's kind of like, you know, your early stages as a lefty where you're like, look, 
I, maybe we could have some better systems for managing the cops. Uh, <laughs> maybe we could put some some great restrictions. Maybe you know there, there must be something, or you know maybe maybe we could sort of slightly amend the the tax system a little bit, or you know improve the funding for this little thing. Like you know when you early on early on as a lefty, can't we all just get along? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and then later you're like, no, the whole fucking system is. Well, this is, is it. Shit. Someone pointed out that he's him and Megan talking about the unconscious bias within the royal family. It's like, nah, man, it's the whole the the bias, the racism is all built in to every single brick of Buckingham Palace. Like, it's not an unconscious. Like, oh, I just if you look really hard, you just might be blind to some you know microaggressions you're guilty of. It's like, no. All your wealth is premised on the colonization and dispossession of people across the globe. There's no, there's no unsubtle, hidden, unconscious bias bit about Look, it. You know? Give him time. Let him get there gradually. And 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 I have to say, like, the fact that the world's worst people hate his fucking hate his guts. Yes. Like the level of vitriol from the world's worst people, like, makes you a little bit reflexively go, all right, I'm a little bit on Harry's side here. I think it's funny. I mean, I hate all of them. I, I feel like not enough people know that you can have the option to both hate the royal family and Harry and Meghan. Okay, and I really encourage everyone to investigate that, search yourself, and really invest. You are allowed to hate all of them. You don't have to pick a side there. This podcast brought to you by realizing you can hate all the royals. <laughs> and you should. Yes. Uh, look, I am still in favour of rich, privileged people. Don't cut that out before I continue the sentence don't say that i'm in favor of rich privileged people there's a, there's an end to this sentence which makes it make more sense why do i keep repeating the bad part of the sentence i'm in favor of rich privileged people coming to terms with the their privilege and realizing that it's shit and that they should do something about it and they should use their privilege to do that and and i i do i and it's one of the reasons why i really hate the classic uh, right-wing hit back when privileged people do start doing something reasonably something positive they're like oh, you're a class trader they they attack them for their privilege whereas it's not the privilege that's the problem it's the fact that up until now they didn't do anything positive with it and they're only attacking them because they're now doing something positive with it and i reckon we should be encouraging all rich privileged bastards to and anything they can do that pulls them over to doing less harm or mm. even potentially good is something to be encouraged like i, I do know that we yeah, one of the biggest right-wing attacks on people uh, is like you will get Okay, so say I ever ran for politics. I came from a privileged background. This is not an example of the, the previous issue was about actually rich and privileged people rather than just generally, you know, Australian middle class level privileged people. Like, I'm not even sure. I'm not sure that maybe that isn't both of us. I, am, I certainly was a middle class privileged kid. Again, not anything I earned or did. Like, I didn't, it privileged that completely unearned privilege because I'm a kid, of course. But, you know, if I ever ran for politics, which I won't because I've done podcasts. <laughs> if I ever did that, like you could easily throw back at me, you know, they, they uh, discount anything he's saying that's progressive because he's a hypocrite because he went to a snooty private school and went to a snooty pri snooty university. But but so what? I'd have been a better person if I maintained that privilege and became a, a, a rich asshole fighting against the left. No, <laughs> like the, the the point about somebody's background is that they may not that they shouldn't be speaking for people with less privileged backgrounds because they don't understand, they haven't experienced it, and they should shut up and listen. Mm. says the man with a podcast. Anyway, um, and, and, you know, famously good at shutting up during the podcast and listening to guests. Oh, yeah, Tom, can you talk a bit for a minute? Because I've been talking too much. <laughs> wow, what an open question. Can I talk about my book? Can I tell everyone to get my, my hot new book? <laughs> he 
literally holding it up. I've, I've even brought it here. I'm showing you an issue. If people want, okay, I'll keep talking. Tom, no, I do. I, I, let, let me describe the book because this is an audio format and they can't see the picture of the book. I mean, you can just easily yes. Google Tom Ballard, I'm Millennial. But, you know, it's got a picture of you. Oh, that's your that's your um, Twitter image now, the, the picture of you on the front there. I see. Yes. Tom Ballard, I'm Millennial. Yes, it is. One snowflake's tiny picture on the screen, so I can't actually read what the book says. One snowflake screen against boomers, billionaires, and everything else. Sounds excellent. What's because what, you've been you've been researched. I've noticed, Pod, Tom, even in this episode of the podcast, you keep using the word when I was researching for my podcast, and I admire that. I think that's a positive thing, and I <laughs> I can only imagine how much research you actually did for a book. And yeah, do, do I did a lot. Tell us, tell us about the Too book. Much. It is a hilarious, comprehensive summary of how my generation millennials have been fucked over by neoliberal capitalism uh, in six main areas, work, housing, education, privatization, wealth inequality, and the the climate crisis. And uh, hopefully it is educational, but also very funny and tries to at least sum up what I've been thinking about and learning about capitalism and political history of this country. Uh, over the past 50 years in in one handy, easy read. And there's pictures too. There's like memes and photos of me as a little baby too. It's fun for the whole family. My mum said she liked most of it. <laughs> uh, that's actually a bit of a damning indictment because your mum is presumably from a different generation. And shouldn't she hate all she of it? She was interviewed for the book. They're one of the good boomers, yes. I mean, look, you know, by the end of it, even though everyone's like, oh, boomer jokes, and I do love boomer jokes, there's plenty of them in there. By the end of the book, of course, we're getting to more of a class analysis. There are poor boomers, there are very rich millennials, huh. the class society is the real enemy. It just so happens because boomers were born into this age in which capitalism was somewhat more tamed in the post-war era and the Reconstruction era, and working people had slightly more power to kind of make sure the system didn't, you know, fuck over um, working people just as much, that they happened to be born into this area of prosperity, which allowed them to sort of build up assets unlike any other generation before. Obviously, that doesn't mean that all boomers had a wonderful life or have had it easy, or that for some millennials aren't, you know, ruling class assholes who need to be, you know, sent to the gulag. But that's just the way that sort of this this insane wealth and asset gap between older and young people today, um, that's sort of how it's it's worked out. I feel like I need to read this book and then then have another podcast with you where we where we discuss the book specifically. Oh sure, yes. No, I'd love to hear your thoughts. I um I haven't yeah I haven't had a huge amount of feedback. I've had lovely feedback from people who've like uh, come to the launch events or let me know on social media they enjoyed it. But it's very hard to get a book reviewed apparently now and and it really? came out just before Christmas when there are a million books um coming out at the same time. So I haven't seen sort of much critical or people engaging with my ideas as a public intellectual but um i will be doing a few writers festivals and stuff in 2023 so it'd be cool to have a chat about it but i'd be very interested to hear your thoughts i'm going to get a copy and have a read of it and have a chat with you about it because i think and and look and, and you know if it's endorsed by it's, it's, now you have clarified that your mum's endorsement is one that actually counts and it's mostly endorsed by her. yes that's that's a positive in my case if i got an endorsement by my parents for a book i'd written i think it would be like getting the endorsement from the australian and i'd be deeply <laughs> concerned I do have an Andrew Bolt uh, quote on the cover where he called me a true barbarian. So I'm proud of that. Nazim Hussain says it's a damn hilarious read. Andrew Bolt thinks I'm a true barbarian. Oh, that's that's sadder. I first thought you said that uh, you'd said that there's an audio lag and I thought he'd, he'd called you a true barbarian. And um, <laughs> I was trying to, trying to work through that. Um, but I imagine he does support some barbarians. Anyway, Tom, where can people find you other than in a bookshop? 
I mean, not literally in a bookshop, but but you know, having left things in a bookshop that they can purchase. I go to bookshop sometimes. You won't find me there. Yes, they can find me on social media at Tom C. Bellard. Then go to my uh, website, tombellard.com.au. Just have a Google to find the book. Um, yes, they can get that. And if they want to come see me live doing my hilarious comedy on stage, I'm touring a show called It Is I to Perth, Adelaide, Melbourne, Sydney, Brisbane, Toowoomba, Cairns, Hobart, everywhere, all over the place. Um, all the details are on my social media. And actually, well, maybe Say Heads might be into my other show. It's a comedy lecture, which I'm doing just two shows off during the Melbourne Comedy Festival called Yes, No, which is about Australia's history of referenda and trying to change our god-awful shitty constitution uh, ahead of the voice to parliament vote later this year. Yeah, I was going to say, we didn't. We were talking about Indigenous issues and we totally dropped the uh, voice issue, which yeah. we really should have talked about. But anyway, the opportunity has now been lost. And of course, people can find <laughs> you on... Well, look, maybe we'll talk about the voice. Part of the issue with the voice is that I'm not feeling sufficiently informed to have a meaningful discussion about it at this point so i feel like maybe maybe i should do some research before we do an episode where we discuss it perhaps imagine imagine <laughs> um people can of course find tom also on his podcast that he does with emerald moon serious danger um yes. which i'm willing to bet that everybody listening to this uh, does already listen to but thank you for coming back tom and thank you for to our listeners for coming back we will be working hard to have more regular podcasts this year as i said earlier my oldest kids are studying this year and my other kid is in kinder so hypothetically there may be opportunities where i can record on a more regular time on an actual oh set schedule without children in the house each you know maybe even each week again imagine can you imagine tom huge thank you jeremy <laughs> i appreciate it man cheers all right thank you everybody for coming back thank you tom see you also bye